Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together, we can make a difference. I'm no girl. I'm a wolf walker. Ah! Wolf! Oh, you know. When I sleep, I'm a wolf. When I'm awake, I'm me. 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 Oh, Matira. What's your name, anyway? Robin. Rob? Mm, I like birds. I'm so high. I'm the in a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama episode 134, Wolf Walkers. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. Once again, a happy new year to you all. If this is the first episode of 2022 you're listening to, welcome back to Verbal Diorama. Whether you are a regular returning listener or a brand new listener to this podcast, thank you so much for being here. No matter how you found this podcast, I'm so grateful that you did find this podcast. And a huge welcome, if this is your first episode, to Animation Season 2022. This is the third annual animation season of Verbal Diorama. It's one of my favorite things that I do for this podcast because I get to geek out on all types of animations. This, Like I say, this is the third one that I've done. And when I started this podcast, one of the sort of founding mantras of Verbal Diorama are the following two things. That animation is not never will be and never has ever been a genre. You know, when you go on a streaming service and you get to search for genres, so you might want to look for a war movie or a comedy or a romance or an action movie, you will always find a category for animation in genre. And I get the streaming services want to list all animated movies together for ease if you're a parent or a carer of a child and you just want to find something for your child to watch. But this moves me on to my second point, the second mantra of verbal diorama since the day of verbal diorama's conception is that animation is not just a medium for children because animation can encompass multiple genres, but it can also be for children. It can be for families, 
But animation can also be purely for adults. And I don't mean that in the very literal sense of an adult movie. But what I do mean is that animation can talk about really adult things. And lots of animated movies do deal with more adult topics. But most of them tend to kind of be watered down a little bit for more of a family audience. But animation is not and never will be just for children. And this movie that I'm going to be featuring this week, yes, it is a family movie. It's a movie that families can enjoy together. But it's also a movie that grown-ups can really enjoy because the history surrounding Wolfwalkers is really, really fascinating. I mean, we're going into the history of Ireland. We're going into Oliver Cromwell and his invasion of Ireland. And this is really, really grown-up stuff. The stuff that Oliver Cromwell did is really, really bad. Uh, so really, really terrible things. But before I start, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who listened to the previous episode that was on the Transformers, the movie. I got a lot of brilliant feedback about that episode. So many people loved the fact that a podcast talked about Transformers, the movie. And there are many podcasts that have talked about that movie, by the way. But to talk about the history and the legacy of the Transformers, the movie was genuinely brought me so much joy because it is a movie that, yes, does talk about death and grief, but also it's just so much fun to watch. So I'm really grateful to everyone who gave me feedback on that. And also just kind of going back to the unofficial start of animation season, because the final episode that I did in 2021 was on Klaus. And Klaus, as I said last episode, has just been huge, like genuinely a huge hit. And there's so many comparable things between the making of Klaus and the making of this movie. Obviously, they are both traditionally animated movies. But Wolfwalkers does something very special with its animation that I really want to go into. So let's just jump straight into this movie. This is the second movie this animation season. It is a take on the werewolf legend. But just because it's animated, it doesn't mean it doesn't pack. Haha, <laughs> get it? An emotional punch. I'll get my coat while you listen to the trailer. Wolf, wolf. Hunt them far and yonder. The forest is brimming with wolves. It's my job to hunt them down, not yours. But we could hunt them together. Wolves, bears, dragons even. <laughs> <laughs> She's one of them wolf walkers. Wolf walkers? Wait! The ones that can talk to wolves with some wild magic. We can come out now. We can smell ya, you stick. You're a wolf walker. You're a wolf when you sleep. A girl when you're awake. Robin, something's happened to me. Yeah, I can see that. It's flipping great. You're a wolf now. Be a wolf! The woods are getting smaller every day. These wolves, they're just beasts. Tonight we put an end to this. I promise your mother I'd keep you safe. Please. 
Straddle Wolf Walker Maeve strikes up a friendship with rebellious, bright-eyed Robin, unbeknownst to her that her father, Bill Goodfellow, is a great English wolf hunter. Appointed by the walled city's fiercely devout, wolf-pating Lord Protector, Bill has two short days to eradicate the wolf menace and rid the neighbouring woods, the last stronghold of evil of the savage beasts. But free-spirited Robin yearns to be free, and for the first time in a long while, she feels alive. Can she have the best of both worlds? Let's quickly read through the cast of this movie. We have Anna Nipsey as Robin Goodfellow, Eva Whittaker as Mabe Ogmaktia, Sean Bean as Bill Goodfellow, Simon McBurney as the Lord Protector, based on Oliver Cromwell, but I'm going to come back to him a bit later, Muriel Doyle Kennedy as Mole McTeer, and Tommy Tiernan as Sean Ogg. Wolfwalkers has a screenplay by Will Collins, a story by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart, and is directed by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. And this is the first, and I guarantee will not be the last, appearance for Kilkenny Island-based animation studio Cartoon Saloon, founded in 1999 by Tom Moore, Nora Toomey and Paul Young, after they all studied together for animation degrees. The same year, development began on their first animated feature, The Secret of Kells, inspired by Richard Williams' unfinished The Thief and the Cobbler and Disney's Mulan. The idea was to use the traditional Celtic knotwork and other memorable styles of Irish art and use them in 2D animation. In the same way Mulan took indigenous Chinese art, they also took inspiration from Hayao Miyazaki's early work like My Neighbour Totoro, that's episode 34 of this podcast by the way, the 2D work of Michael Ocelot and Hungarian folktale films from Kemet Film Studio. A trailer and a first draft script were produced in 2001, but the studio had to make money to keep itself alive and as a fledgling animation studio focused on commercials and corporate work while they searched for independent funding to produce a feature-length animated movie. They secured the funding from Didier Brunner of Les Armatures, producer for The Triplets of Belleville, which also will come up on this podcast at some point in the future as well. He introduced them to Viviane van Vlieteren, and together they managed to raise 6 million euros by October 2005. Between October 2005 and August 2008, Cartoon Saloon worked on The Secret of Kells, with Tom Moore working full-time on the project. The work was split between three countries, France, Belgium and Ireland, due to the use of the grants to help finance the picture, as well as at Kexkemet Film Studios in Hungary. During the making of The Secret of Kells, they also made the TV show Skunk Fu. And The Secret of Kells was released in 2009 to huge critical success, and was followed by Song of the Sea in 2014 to similar critical acclaim. These two movies formed the first two parts of the Irish Folklore Trilogy. These were followed by a departure to the trilogy with The Breadwinner in 2017 about an 11-year-old girl living in Kabul under the Taliban regime. This was executively produced by Angelina Jolie. The Secret of Kells, Song of the Sea, The Breadwinner and Wolfwalkers have all received Academy Award nominations for Best Animated Feature and basically as Cartoon Saloon grow, they seem to generate more awards buzz, which is wonderful for them. Wolfwalkers is based on a loose history of the English occupation of Ireland in 1650, as well as the werewolves of Ossery. And wolves used to be numerous in Ireland. Like depicted in the movie, it's said that towns were plagued with wolf attacks. The Irish wolfhound was bred specifically to tackle the ongoing wolf population, and the animal was hunted to extinction in 1786. Irish culture and literature during the medieval period associated wolves with warriors. Young men who spent most of their time in the Irish wilderness 
hunting, etc., may have worn wolf skins, literally wolf warriors. Literal lycanthropy, I guess you could say. Legend has it that the werewolves of Ossery were descended from Lake Nakfilad, and I apologise if I butchered that pronunciation, a wolf warrior who was said to be descended from a tribe of werewolves whose line gave rise to the kings of Ossery, which covered most of present-day County Kilkenny and County Louth, prior to the Norman invasion of Ireland in the 12th century. It's said he could transform into a wolf, killing herds along with his offspring. The earliest depictions of men turning into wolves appeared in the Mesopotamic epic poem, The Epic of Gilgamesh, regarded as the earliest surviving notable literature and the second oldest religious text after the pyramid text, written circa 2100 BC. In the story, Gilgamesh turned down a woman who wanted to sleep with him because in the past she had turned another one of her lovers into a wolf. There are similar tales in Greek mythology of Zeus turning boys into wolves and Nordic myths of a father and son turning into wolves for 10 days. The 13th century poem, De Hominibus, Qui Si Vertent in Lupos, literally men who change themselves into wolves, describes men who transform into wolves, leaving their vulnerable human bodies behind. If they were injured during their wolf form, their human body was also injured in the same place, and the human body could never be moved. It reflected the folkloric belief that souls can leave the body, but cannot return if the body is moved or disturbed. Werewolf trials were also a thing before witch trials were. 200 years before the famous witch trials in Salem, several European countries were finding both men and women guilty of being werewolves throughout the 15th, 16th and 17th centuries. As the threat of real wolves vanished due to hunting, human industrialization and population growth, the delusion of people being werewolves also diminished. And that's why we don't really hear about werewolf trials anymore. The Cromwellian conquest of Ireland from 1649 to 1653 during the Wars of the Three Kingdoms was an invasion of Ireland on behalf of English Parliament led by Oliver Cromwell, who is still to this day a hated figure in the Republic of Ireland. This is a man who literally cancelled Christmas. We joke about the Sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, saying, and cancel Christmas. Oliver Cromwell genuinely did cancel Christmas and basically wanted the Irish people to pray instead of celebrate Christmas. Oliver Cromwell was responsible for many atrocities, including punishing Irish Catholics, confiscating their land, and sending them to the West Indies as indentured servants. Catholicism was outlawed and the war contributed to famine and a resultant outbreak of bubonic plague, which added to the death toll, which is said to be anything from 20 to 40% of Ireland's pre-war population. So this was not a particularly nice time for the Irish. And the introduction of English soldiers into predominantly Irish neighbourhoods caused exactly the sort of conflicts present in wolf walkers, except possibly without the actual werewolves, but who knows, it's just not been recorded. As I said, wolf walkers is the culmination of Cartoon Saloon's Irish folklore trilogy. Each movie, The Secret of Kells, Song of the Sea and Wolf Walkers, can trace its roots to Irish history and folklore. Wolf walkers' visual style purposely contrasts the two locations of the movie, the square, blocky, flat Kilkenny to show its oppression and the fact it's generally not a very nice place to live and the fluid, free, 3D, even though it's not, but I'll come back to it, lush forest. Even the characters are designed based on where they're from. Technically, even though Robin's not from Kilkenny, but you get my point. So Robin and her father have very straight, angular lines in their bodies and their faces and Maeve and her mother are rounded like the forest. The Lord Protector is the ultimate in squareness, rigidity and inflexibility and character designer Federico Piravano 
used the look of actual Oliver Cromwell in the design, despite the fact that the character is never once referred to as Oliver Cromwell, only ever as the Lord Protector. And I can only assume it's because the team behind Wolfwalkers realised that Oliver Cromwell is so hated that no one in Ireland would want to see a movie with Oliver Cromwell as a character in it. While the movie is completely hand-drawn 2D animation, the reason I said I'll come back to the 3D bit is because computers were used to augment the process. It was hand-drawn into software using digital brushes to look like pencil. Backgrounds were painted with actual watercolours and the line work for those done with pencils and pens frame by frame. The images were then combined to make the final backgrounds. Disney used to add depth with multiplane cameras. Depth in Wolfwalkers is added digitally by layering the hand-drawn and painted backgrounds. Where Wolfwalkers needed the assistance of more modern CG animation is when Robin learns that she's a Wolfwalker. The flowing lines and vibrant colours representing scent trails is officially called Wolf Vision. And Wolf Vision started life by paint artist Kieran Duffy, rendering the images using charcoal and inks and supervising animator Evie McNabara, owner of Paper Panther Studios in Dublin, and inspired by Studio Ghibli's The Tale of the Princess Kaguya, originally created a prototype by watching footage of a Labrador retriever and then using an Oculus Rift headset in a virtual reality landscape to build and navigate through a virtual forest and a virtual medieval town using a sculpting program called Medium, in which Wolf Vision could navigate. McNamara worked on a pre-visualization prototype for nine months, using 3D software to Blender to assemble the animation to show the heightened sense of wolves, who obviously track using scents and have a limited spectrum of sight. The scent trails would be bright and bold to juxtapose the monochromatic backgrounds. Blender also helped establish camera angles to flow through the location, with tunnel effects enhanced with motion blur. But obviously this is a completely 2D animation. And so all of a sudden transitioning into a 3D wolf world, wasn't really going to work with the aesthetics of this movie in particular. So what they did was they took 3D printouts of the scenes created uh, in magenta and they drew over the top with graphite and charcoal to essentially obscure the clarity of the image. This was painstakingly done for each frame hand by hand with approximately 6,000 sheets of paper. Wolf Vision is only three minutes of screen time total in the entire movie, but the stack of paper for the animation stood four feet high. The entire animation process took more than two years to finish. To help save a little time, these scenes were only 12 frames per second on purpose, something that Sony utilised perfectly in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, that's episode 32 of this podcast. The smudging of the charcoal lines actually helped mask the lower frame rate. The magenta lines were digitally removed from the resulting images. The lines were touched up and additional layers were composited to add tone and texture to the movie. This isn't the first time either that I've spoken on this podcast about CG enhancing 2D images. Disney were doing it in 1999 for Tarzan with a product called Deep Canvas. Deep Canvas was also used on Treasure Planet, and I go into that in much more detail in episode 36 of this podcast. But Cartoon Saloon are effectively masking the CG animation by overlaying it, unlike Disney with the trees in Tarzan, for example. That was a hand-drawn image interacting with a CG image. But what Cartoon Saloon are doing, it's not concealing the 3D, but it's enhancing the 2D. And this is often what's called 2.5D. And the fact that Cartoon Saloon, just like SBA Studios, who I talked about on Klaus a couple of episodes ago, are embracing and innovating with hand-drawn animation, just honestly fills my soul with so much joy. Because that's what animation season is here for. It's here to pay tribute to all types of animation. 
hand-drawn animation has slowly been dying a death due to the prevalence of CG animation. Um, and despite this movie struggling to find an audience, the fact that Apple TV Plus have picked it up means that it's at least accessible. And because it's accessible, you really have no excuse. So if you haven't seen this movie and you have no idea what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about Wolf Vision, then you basically need to grab yourself an Apple TV Plus trial just for this movie. Look, genuinely, that's what I did. I got a trial of Apple TV Plus just to watch this movie. You will thank me for seeing this movie, by the way. But also, I did get introduced to Ted Lasso on Apple TV. And that is also very good too. But mainly for Wolf Walkers, get yourself an Apple TV Plus trial. Let's quickly segue into my favourite part of every single episode I do. It is the obligatory Keanu reference. So this is a part of the podcast where I try to link the movie that I'm featuring with Keanu Reeves. And you might think I've found this very, very difficult. The fact that obviously Keanu does have Irish ancestry is a thing, but I'm not going to use that one because there's a really great link to Keanu Reeves for Wolfwalkers. And that is at the very, very start of his career, he appeared on stage. This was in like 1984 and it was in Brad Fraser's cult hit Wolf Boy in Toronto. And the fact that Keanu Reeves has been in a play called Wolf Boy and this is Wolfwalkers just made complete sense. It's a great obligatory Keanu reference. I'm not just tooting my own trumpet here. I genuinely think it's great. I wouldn't say it's the best one I've ever done, but it's, it's up there, definitely. Let's talk about the music because there's some beautiful Irish music in this movie. The main song that you will probably know if you've seen this movie is by Norwegian singer-songwriter Aurora. Uh, she contributed to the soundtrack with a re-recorded version of her single Running With The Wolves which is heard in the soundtrack and in the trailer. This re-recorded version uses medieval Irish instruments as the backing music, whereas her original does not. It is a beautiful, beautiful song. It really works so wonderfully with this movie. It really kind of ramps up the anticipation and the joy and the brilliance of, of basically being a wolf in this movie. You genuinely actually just want to turn into a wolf and just start running through the forest. It just, it invokes so much joy. The original score was provided by French composer Bruno Coulet and Irish folk group Keela. Wolfwalkers World Premiere took place at the 2020 Toronto International Film Festival on the 12th of September 2020. It was released theatrically on the 26th of October 2020 in the UK, 13th of November in the US. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it wasn't released in its native Republic of Ireland until the 2nd of December 2020. The rights to stream Wolfwalkers were acquired by Apple TV Plus, as I said, for exclusive streaming from the 11th of December 2020 as an Apple original film. And obviously you have to take COVID into account when you look at the financials of any movie that went to cinemas in 2020. Wolfwalkers, which was made for 10 million euros, equivalent to about $11 million, only earned $1.3 million globally, most of which, according to Box Office Mojo, came from France where it didn't even release until the 20th of October 2021. At that point, obviously being fully COVID vaccinated was becoming commonplace and booster jabs were being rolled out. So it just goes to show that as vaccinations have started going, people have started to go back into cinemas and obviously the French release of Wolfwalkers really helped build up the financial tally for this movie. And while this movie wasn't a huge financial success, Critically, this is a movie that blew critics away. It quite rightly sits at 99% of Rotten Tomatoes, with critics praising its ethereal beauty, the stellar voice work, and just this sense of magical wonderment that comes with this movie. And obviously, when award season came out, Cartoon Saloon 
As I said, I've never been shy of nominations for their previous work. Wolfwalkers not only ended up on many critics' end-of-year lists, but also received a total of 71 awards nominations, and it won 24 of those awards. The aforementioned nominations, there was an Academy Award nomination, a BAFTA nomination, Golden Globe nomination, all of those for Best Animated Feature, by the way, as well as 10 Annie Award nominations, which included five wins. So this is a movie that has received huge critical praise, huge awards praise, and so many people have not seen this movie. A lot of people have seen this movie, but I think the general public, I'm talking people not on film Twitter. Film Twitter, I would think, has seen this movie due to its general award status and critical status. But I'd put the call out on social media for thoughts. So many general people have not seen this movie and they really, really should because I can't say enough great things about this movie. It's, it is ethereal. It's beautiful. There is obviously no sequel to Wolfwalkers. During an interview in 2021, Tom Moore stated he had no plans for a sequel. The company is currently producing an animated feature film for Netflix called My Father's Dragon, based on the 1948 children's novel of the same name by Ruth Stiles Gannett. And that is due to be released this year. So 2022, look out on Netflix for a film called My Father's Dragon by Cartoon Saloon. I guarantee, I can tell you now, it's going to be amazing because this is Cartoon Saloon. They know what they're doing. They are an incredible animation studio and they are definitely 100%. If you're not watching what Cartoon Saloon are doing now, you should be watching what Cartoon Saloon are doing. Speaking about what people think, let's have a listen to some of the social media thoughts that I had about this movie. And I like to go to Patreon and I like to go to Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. But we're going to start with the patrons and we're going to start with not Andy, because Andy's not seen this movie. and. Andy, you should see this movie. But we're going to start with Ian. And Ian actually says, I haven't heard of this one, but just checked out the trailer and it looks good. The animation style looks interesting too. And absolutely, Ian, please grab yourself an Apple TV Plus subscription or trial, whichever you want, and check out this movie on Apple TV Plus because I guarantee you will love it. And we have another patron comment from Brendan. Now, when I put the feelers out and I said I'm doing animation season three animation season 2022 what would people like to see in this and I got loads of suggestions and Brendan was one of the only people who got this so spot on because he came back to me and he said Wolfwalkers is going to be in the season and bear in mind I hadn't told the patrons what I was doing so no one knew and Brendan got it spot on when he said Wolfwalkers is coming so Brendan says well happy birthday to me and happy birthday to you, Brendan, if it is genuinely your birthday. I didn't know that this was coming out on your birthday, but if it is, happy birthday to you. Wolfwalkers isn't just my favourite film of 2020, or, for my money, the best animated film of Cartoon Saloon's Irish folklore trilogy, but something like the ultimate evolution of Disney's 90s renaissance, unshackled from studio mandate. The shape of films like The Hunchback of Notre Dame and Princess Mononoke can be easily found in this story, but the filmmakers combine finely honed craft a unique cultural perspective to create something singular from the familiar pieces. A fairy tale epic that's also a family drama, that's also a class struggle story, that's also a werewolf movie, sounds like a ludicrous prospect on paper, but the final product speaks for itself. And really, basically, listeners, Brendan's just perfectly succinctly summarised the whole of this episode in literally one paragraph. Moving over to the rest of social media and 
to be honest, not that many comments, which is both neither a huge surprise and also really kind of disappointing in a sense that this movie really does deserve to have more people watch it. And I don't know whether it's just because people didn't see the posts or they didn't want to comment, but very few comments on all of the social medias. We'll start with Twitter. Only one comment on Twitter. And that was at Stogs, who just said, adore that film. He also put a link in there to an article that he wrote about Wolfwalkers. So when I did have a read of that article, and uh, Matt, if you're listening, it was an excellent article. But that's the only comment on Twitter. <laughs> and normally Twitter is a hive of comments for this podcast. But I just think that not enough people have clearly not seen this film. Moving up to Instagram, too, on Instagram, which is amazing. We don't normally get more Instagram comments and Twitter comments. but so we'll start with at Sassy Lassie 76, who said, I love this film. I love the friendship between the girls. I love the father-daughter relationship and their fight to remain a family while dealing with a tyrant's awful demands. I held my breath out of fear and hope during the final scenes of the film. This is a film I'll revisit often. The mother-daughter wolf pack dynamic spoke very loudly to me. So full of love, yet so very protective of one another. This was portrayed beautifully at the end. And the final comment on Instagram is at the afternoon tune who said, really good movie. No comments over on Facebook. And what I will say is if you are listening to this and you haven't seen Wolfwalkers, because I don't believe I've gone into any sort of spoiler territory. So the movie is still out there. It is available on Apple TV Plus and you should definitely, definitely watch this movie and come back to me and let me know what you think. But otherwise, thank you so much to the patrons and to those on social media for the comments on Wolfwalkers. Traditionally hand-drawn 2D animated films represent, for me, and I suspect for many people, a certain timelessness. CG animation tends to show its age really quickly, despite Toy Story still looking amazing. I talked about that in episode 50. But CG also evolves quickly as well. There won't be a shortage of CG animation this season, it's inevitable, but I desperately wanted to pay homage to traditional animation, and I really felt that this was the best movie to go into. Obviously, as I said, Klaus is technically an unofficial start to animation season, but it's something that Klaus also does so perfectly. While arguably you can compare last week's episode Transformers to Wolfwalkers and suggest that animation is better in Wolfwalkers, I mean, technically you would be correct. Cartoon Saloon, despite using techniques like smudging charcoal and keeping a very kind of light feel to their animation style, Wolfwalkers genuinely looks like an oil painting. Every frame you could print off as a piece of art. I think I said the same thing for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, actually, because I do have a frame of that movie up in my house as a genuine piece of art. It also brings to mind a studio like Leica, which I think is also an easy comparison to Cartoon Saloon because Leica as well, they innovate more with every feature. They push the boundaries of what the audience expects. Kubo and the Two Strings is actually a great feature to pair with this movie for so many reasons. And spoiler alert, I'm going to be 100% suggesting that you listen to the episode of Kubo and the Two Strings. That is definitely a recommended piece to go with this episode. But I also genuinely believe that Cartoon Saloon are one to watch. Exactly the same with SPA Studios. Exactly the same with Leica. Exactly the same with Sony Animation Studios. And I know they're a big name studio, but what they're doing with animation, how they are, essentially changing what we expect to see in animation. It's just so bold and it's so daring. And I, th I think I've said it multiple times that 
I actually feel quite sad because I feel like Pixar are losing this. They don't seem to be innovating as much as these other studios are. And the resulting products, honestly, I don't think I've been excited about a Pixar movie for a long, long time. I was super excited for Encanto. I know that's a Disney movie, not a Pixar movie. And Encanto is spectacular. But Encanto does not really much different than Moana does. And I love Moana, don't get me wrong. Moana is top tier Disney for me. But I want to see innovation in animation. I want to see the boundaries of animation being pushed. And all of those aforementioned studios are doing it and Cartoon Saloon are doing it as well. And also what I love about this is it's not just about the animation. It's not just about what the resulting movie looks like because none of these studios are skimping on story, but especially not Cartoon Saloon because they take a traditional werewolf fable that anyone can understand, but also they add these layers of complexity. And when you're talking about you know, the time period, the history of that time. What was going on in Ireland at that time? And then, you know, you've got two single parents where it's just them and their child against the world. I suspect a lot of lone parents can feel like that they're in a wolf pack with their children and that sometimes you can become a product of your environment in a way, raising your children the best way that you can. It's also a story about environmentalism and the disappearance of our natural world. It's also a story about oppression and regime and a story about as human beings, as humanity. We always fight what we fear. And if we actually took the time to understand something, anything, then maybe the world would be a bit of a better place. At the heart of this story, there are two little girls. Two little girls who both love their parents unconditionally. They don't want to go against their parents' wishes, but they want to be free and they want to live their lives. And anyone, anyone can relate to that. Both of these girls are outcasts in their own way. And they both possess modern qualities to be better than the lives set out for them. And maybe this is just something that's more of exclusively for girls. I know in the original outline for this movie that Robin was going to be a boy and they felt that Robin being a boy didn't work. But I feel like changing the gender of that child to be a girl, it just adds additional layers because especially when we're talking about the time period that we're talking about, there's so much more social rigidity when it comes to young girls and what young girls are expected to do and what's expected of them. And it just adds these additional layers of complexity to a story that is essentially just about these two little girls and the friendship that they have with each other. Because despite all this adversity, this kind of almost forbidden love story set against werewolf law, it's essentially a story about families and love. The bullies like the Lord Protector and the children of the town never prosper. And about how single parent families are fierce, loyal and loving. But that blended families can sometimes be stronger together, just like wolves in a pack. Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on wolf walkers. And if you have enjoyed this episode and you would like this podcast to grow, I know I do, then you could do one of the following things. You could leave a rating or review wherever you found this podcast. You could do it in something like Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or Spotify. That would be amazing. But really, wherever you found this podcast, if you could just give it a quick rating, that would be amazing. You could also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama and if you're on any of those social medias, apart from Letterboxd, that doesn't really do it. But if you're on any social media, you could simply just share, retweet or like posts. You can comment on posts and just really 
get a conversation started with me, feel free, because I love to talk. As, as you can probably gather, I do enjoy talking. And I also enjoy talking on social media. So if you do enjoy this movie and you want to talk about it, come hit me up, talk to me about it. But obviously retweeting and liking posts helps with visibility. And, and the easiest thing you can do is simply tell a friend or family member about this podcast, about this episode, especially if you like this episode, especially if you've seen Wolfwalkers and your friend or family member hasn't, then recommend Wolfwalkers to them because they need to see this movie too. And if you did like this episode on Wolfwalkers specifically, then you might also like one of the following episodes of this podcast. So I said I was going to recommend it. Episode 29, Kubo and the Two Strings, is genuinely Laika's masterpiece. And I don't throw that term around a lot, but I do for Kubo and the Two Strings because like a lot of Cartoon Saloon stuff, actually, and to be fair, most of Laika's stuff, Kubo and the Two Strings is one of those movies that so many people have not seen. And it's a travesty, a genuine travesty. Unfortunately, it's not available on streaming that I'm aware of. But if you come across a DVD or a Blu-ray of Kubo and the Two Strings, buy it, watch it, guarantee you will love it. It's absolutely stunning. I'm also going to recommend episode 52, Your Name. Again, this is another traditionally animated story, but it is one of the most beautiful movies that I have ever seen in my life. It's one of the highest grossing movies in Japan for such good reason. And interestingly, it's also one of the top highest grossing episodes of this podcast as well. I did a little rundown of all of the episodes of 2021. And uh, the top episode of 2021 was Robin Hood Men in Tights, which still blows my mind to this very day how much people love Robin Hood Men in Tights. But the second was Your Name. And Your Name is one of those movies that, again, I don't think many people have seen Your Name, but they absolutely should. As I'm recording this, I believe it's still available on Netflix, here in the UK anyway. So please check out Your Name. You will absolutely love it. And a bit of a curveball. But I thought episode 96, The Monster Squad, because the Wolfman appears in The Monster Squad. And The Monster Squad is super fun. And rather controversially, I think The Monster Squad is better than The Goonies. And I had to finish the recommendations with episode 132, Klaus, because Klaus is astonishing. And yeah, it, it's a bit sad, actually. It's an unofficial start to the season because Klaus is perfect for animation season. But it is still an episode of this podcast. I absolutely loved talking about Klaus. As I said, the episode has done superbly well, especially for a Christmas episode, because episodes released at Christmas, historically for this podcast, don't do incredibly well on downloads because obviously people are traveling for the holidays, etc. But Klaus is an amazing movie. Sergio Pablos, again, is one to watch for the future. So yeah, if you enjoy Wolfwalkers, you will enjoy Klaus. If you enjoy Klaus, you will definitely enjoy Wolfwalkers. As always, give me feedback. Let me know what you thought of my recommendations. So the next episode, I've talked about Laika a lot in this episode. And so next episode is going to be a Laika movie. And I really struggled with choosing a movie because obviously I've done Kubo and I've done Coralite. And obviously Laika have other movies. They have Paranorman, which is fantastic. They also have the Box Trolls, which is amazing. But honestly... I really wanted to do The Nightmare Before Christmas. And as I was planning this season, I was struggling for space 
because there are so many animated movies that I want to cover. There are so many, so, so many that I had to cut from my list. So I basically had a long list and then I had a short list and then I ended up with the movies that ended up in the season. But The Nightmare Before Christmas has been on every short list for every season because it's iconic. It's the first stop motion animated feature ever made. The history of that movie is incredible. The fact it's a Disney movie that a lot of people forget. The fact Henry Selick directed that movie when a lot of people think it was Tim Burton. And so when I was planning this season, I wanted to do The Night Before Christmas and I wanted to do a Laika movie. And then it came to me, why not combine Tim Burton and Laika? Because that would be incredible, right? And famously, Loika's first work that they ever did was on Corpse Bride for Tim Burton Productions. And Corpse Bride seems to be mostly forgotten in the legacy of stop motion animation. And even I'll admit, I've only actually seen Corpse Bride once before, but it felt right to feature it this season. The night before Christmas, I mean, that's probably going to pop up towards the end of the year, I'll be completely honest. But the next episode of this podcast is going to be on Corpse Bride. I'm really looking forward to watching it again and I'm super looking forward to talking about it because not a lot of podcasts talk about Corpse Bride. So I want to change that. Just a quick note, I do have a Patreon. It's at verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon. You can sign up to support the show if you wish. You're under no obligation. But I always like to give a shout out at the end of episodes to the patrons because I'm so genuinely grateful to them. So to Simon E, Sade, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Jason, Kristin, Kat, Andy, Mike, Griff, Luke, Emily, Michael, Scott, Mark, Brendan, Ian M, Lisa, Sam, Will, Jack, Dave, Chris, Stuart and Ian D. You are my town tasties. You can check out my merch store. It's verbaldiorama.com slash merch if you want. If you want to get in touch, it's verbaldiorama at gmail.com or you can pop over to verbaldiorama.com and say hi on there. And as always, I do do work for filmstories.co.uk. You can check out articles that I write on there and also issues of the magazine, which I also write for. And finally, I don't know about you, but I'm running with the wolves tonight. Bye.